you're glad to be part of the body of Christ, let me hear your hands this morning. So as I was watching that video, I've heard some really wonderful testimonies from our connect groups, how they're stepping up to serve, to care for those in their group and to reach out. Great things are happening. If you're not in a connect group, we want you to be in one three times a year we meet. It's a great opportunity for you to be a part of what's happening here. Also, um, just so you know, a um, great way to get started here is involving with um, Launchpad. We'll give you kind of an introduction to what all is happening and how to get more involved. Well, we're talking about our core values. And um, so far we've talked about biblical authority, intentional discipleship, relational ministry, experiential worship, fruitful prayer, global missions, and this morning we're gonna talk about um, spiritual gifts. Now that's a subject that, um, Can we do something with those lights? Trying? Got a hammer? I'll fix them. It's like, it's really distracting me. Hard for me to focus here, so. I feel like something is... Um... No, I feel like the next thing is a balloon will come floating in here from China. What's that? <laughs> Yeah, thank you, whatever is happening here. Whew. Oh. What day is today? Where, where, where are we right now? <laughs> Thanks. Um, when we talk about the area of spiritual gifts, I'm sorry, I've got to retool. Not very much throws me, but that did for some reason. When we talk about spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts are used in so many kinds of ways that it's hard to get your brain around it sometimes. And so I'm gonna take you on a journey on what spiritual gifts refer to and why that matters to us. And it'll follow this kind of journey. You were born with certain abilities that God gave you, natural gifting that God gave you. Those natural giftings become a platform that will move you into what are called motivational gifts, the kind of serving that you're attracted to. So when you move from your natural gifts to um, motivational gifts in Romans 12, that will put you on a track for vocational gifts. What calling do you wanna pursue? And from there, all of us need to be ready to be used by God in supernatural gifts. Does that make sense? So we're gonna do that journey this morning. How did God make you? What motivates you? What vocation attracts you? And what supernatural power does God wanna manifest through you? Because we believe in the full-orbed teaching on spiritual gifts in Scripture. What we have written is the Pentecostal dynamic is Jesus' legacy to the church. The empowerment given through the Holy Spirit is essential in fulfilling our biblical calling. We are dependent upon the Holy Spirit to empower us with his gifting and manifest his fruitfulness in our lives. So let's begin that journey. And the first thing I suggest to you is you need to discover discipleship, sanctification, growing in your relationship to God means that you will work at discovering what your natural gifts are. What did God put in you when he created you? You are, an, you are not an accident. You are here on purpose and God designed you for a purpose. 
We quote it all the time in pro-life rallies, Psalm 139, verse 14. You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. How many of you believe that? Fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, I want to unpack that a little bit because we have almost made it a motto rather than understand the impact of what David is telling us, prophesying about. The word fearfully and wonderfully made, fearfully means in awe. That when you understand how God shaped you, it should cause you to step back in awe of what God has done in you and then wonderfully made really means to be set apart. You are the creation of God set apart from the rest of creation for a unique purpose. So, and I don't want to, I don't, I'm not driving toward an over hyper ego, but we should look at ourselves and be in awe that God would invest something in us. And what he has invested in us sets us apart from the rest of creation and from the rest of the body of Christ. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, and that should cause you to thank God. In other words, there's no room in the body of Christ for sad sacks who are going around all the time complaining that they don't have any gifting and can't contribute anything. Get over yourself and understand when you say that, you are, you are calling God a, a, a liar, basically, because he says he made you in a way that, that it should cause you to be in awe of him and set you apart fearfully and wonderfully made and for that I give God thanks. I read an article about a high school basketball player this morning that is seven foot six. I'm not sure I could breathe at that altitude. He has to duck under tree branches. I've never had to duck under anything. <laughs> what I'm saying to you is I know that God created me for a purpose and I can resent, listen to me, I can resent what I am not or I can celebrate what I am. And the first place to begin in spiritual gifting is to celebrate that you have been fearfully and wonderfully made. In the plagues of Egypt, the plagues of Egypt involved God releasing the children of Israel from the tyranny of Egypt. And the last of the plagues was the most devastating, horrifying one with the death of the firstborn. That the firstborn in Egypt would die and the protection for the children of Israel was blood on the doorposts and over the top of the door. And the Bible says that when the death angel saw the blood, he would pass over that home. Now I want you to listen to how the Bible talks about that. But among the Israelites, not a dog will bark at any man or animal. Then you will know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. He has set Israel apart, and God's going to demonstrate it. And if you'll identify your natural gifting, how you've been shaped, what it is that makes you who you are, that's part of your journey in fulfilling God's calling on your life. It should cause us to praise God and recognize that God's works are wonderful. I love the account that Paul gives us in 1 Corinthians about the various parts of the body. The foot, 
the hand, the eye, the ear, the ear, and the nose. And he creates this really kind of silly and funny dialogue that if the foot is upset that it's not the hand or the hand upset that it's not the foot, if the eye is upset that it's not the ear or the ear is upset that it's not the eye or the ear is upset that it's not the nose or the nose is upset that it's not the ear, he says, wouldn't that be ridiculous? How silly would that be for the nose to say, I want to be the eye? And the eye to say, I want to be the nose. Each part of your body is crafted for a purpose. And each part of your body, if we're to make it an, uh, a kind of an illustration, each part of your body needs to become that to the best of its ability. And when every part of the body does what it's created for to the best of its ability, the rest of the body functions in health and wholeness. We have to stop... We need to stop complaining about what we're not. I jokingly tell people that, well, it's not really jokingly. When I grow up, I want to sing like Tim Thomas. I, Tim, Pastor Tim, I love to hear you sing. In fact, it might be better if we just switched right now and let you just sing for a while. But that's not going to happen. I wish I could play the keys the way Pastor Nathan does but I don't want it bad enough to work at it. <laughs> I wish I could do things like other people and that keeps you from enjoying the freedom and joy that God has created you to provide fullness and purpose in the body of Christ. What do you have? What gifting do you have that can bless the body of Christ? And you might not think it's a big deal, but God does because he put it in you. The nose has a job to do. The eyes have a job to do. The hands have a job to do. The feet have a job to do. And you were born with natural giftings. So I want to challenge you this morning. As part of your journey this week, begin to inventory what you're good at. What are you good at? <laughs> I really appreciate Sharon Thomas's giftings in baking pies. Now that's not her only gifting, but I, I don't know, Pastor Tim, if you can bake pies or not, but I do know if I have a choice between a pie baked by Tim Thomas and a pie baked by Sharon Thomas, I'm gonna take the pie baked by Sharon Thomas <laughs> because there's a track record. And it could go on and on down that. Does it make one better or worse? It makes us different. And I should be able to go around the room and say, what are you good at? What did God put in you? What gifting do you have naturally? Is this making sense to anyone? Rather than this whole idea, we don't want to be puffed up in pride. Well, don't worry about that. There are plenty of people around you to make sure that doesn't happen. And we get to the other extreme that we just feel like, well, I'm not good at anything. Well, then you're, then you're, you're denying the very God who created you. He's created you for a purpose. What are you good at? There are a lot. Of, I remember in Bible college, we had some characters in Bible college. We had a guy who told us he could play the guitar with his feet. So I wanted to know. I've always had this kind of 
edge to me that I just, I, I should just be able to let some things go. But I'm telling, you tell me you can play your guitar with your feet. I want to see that happen. So we're in the lounge area of the dorm and I said, go get your guitar. So he did. I want to see you play with your feet. So he put one foot on the neck and he started strumming the strings with his toes on his other foot. And he looked at me and said, what do you think? And I said, well, I'll give you this. It sounds just like when you play it with your hands. <laughs> he couldn't play either way. Couldn't play either way. Find something that you are good at. Because that becomes a... F God, listen, God created you that way to launch you on a journey to do something for the body of Christ. And don't despise it because it's not what someone else has been gifted. So then secondly, I would challenge you when you discover, you do an inventory of your natural giftings, that you would develop your spiritual giftings. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, they're called motivational gifts. So from your natural gifting and abilities... God will give you gifts according to grace, the grace that is bestowed on you. These are areas that you're motivated to engage in. So let's look at the list in First Corinthians, I'm sorry, in Romans chapter 12. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather to think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and those members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to us. Now watch. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's encouragement, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So I'm convinced that your natural gifting will lead you to a spiritual area of service that you're attracted to. There are some things I'm not attracted to do. I was talking before the annual business meeting. I was standing outside that door. And Bob Jeppesen was asking me how I felt about things. And I said, you know, I always feel a little anxiety going into the annual business meeting because I'm not a CEO. And yet, legally, that's the role I fill as chairman of the board. How many are with me? But I said, my calling, I stood right there and I pointed in here, my Gifting, my calling is what I do in here. Law requires me to do what I do out there in the office to prep and prepare. But if it weren't for what I get to do in here, I would never do what I have to do out there. So I'm not telling you, you get to have pie for every meal. I'm telling you that there is something that attracts you to do. My wife is masterful with kids. I am not. I can master them, but I'm not masterful with them. And I've never forgotten. We were in, Tim, you remember when we brought, actually we were going to bring a team, and ended up just Caroline, our, our family, 
and there was an event in, I don't know if it was Chicago Heights or Ford Heights, one of those places, and there's just, there are kids running everywhere, and I don't know where Carol got the chair, and she just sat down and started telling a Bible story to one of these little kids, and then I look back later, and there's probably 20 or 30 kids gathered around while she's telling a story. They don't gather around me. And frankly, I don't want him to. <laughs> that doesn't make me a bad person. It just means my giftings are drawn in another area. When we first went into ministry, we did some kids' crusades. Carol was wonderful at it. I tried to do magic tricks so I'd have something to do as part of the team. But we all have nat things that attract us and things that don't. So what are those for you? I love what Paul says, if it's teaching, then teach. He didn't say, if it's teaching, then wait for someone to give you a class. If it's teaching, then buddy, teach. Because if you think you're teaching and no one wants to listen, you're like me standing in that park with all the kids around my wife. I'm not a children's worker in that same sense of the term, but some people are really gifted in those areas and attracted to those. Are you hearing me at all? I don't believe that God is looking to make your life miserable. He created you with a natural gifting that will lead you to a spiritual gifting. I was reading some of my friends' comments on Facebook, which is always entertaining. And one, uh, one man posted this. He said, I have found that the men in my church who make the most money are the most resistant to giving the pastor a raise. And I thought about that. I've not found that to be true. I've found people with a poverty mindset that have a lot of money, are unwilling to bless others. But my experience has been people who understand that God has blessed them develop a generous heart and they bless the lives of others. So if your gift is giving, he says if your gift is giving, then do it generously if that's your gifting. Now you have to give whether it's your gift or not. But some of you, not here, but I've heard that some people pains them to give and some people rejoice in having an opportunity to give away. You're attracted to that. God is doing something in you. I'm gonna tell you something to never come to me and say, Pastor, what would you like me to do? Where would you like me to serve? I have never in my life found that effective. I'll make an assignment. I think you'd be good at this. Yeah, but I don't want to do that. Then don't ask me. This is a multiple choice. It's not a smorgasbord. What do you want to do? Well, I want to do what you're doing. I know of some open churches. Come on, is anyone, I'm saying to you, what are you attracted to? What do you want to do? Some people are good at some things. Others are good at other things. And he says the way we do that is by proving the will of God. By putting it to the test, you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Try it. You might be surprised at what you'll discover. 
I've told the story when I was in high school. I felt like God called me to the ministry, and, um, and I wanted to be a Bible smuggler because you didn't have to talk to anybody. Getting in front of people terrified me. Now, here's what I'm going to tell you. I've had opportunities to speak outside of preaching, and I'm not comfortable there. I'm comfortable in a place where we're worshiping God, going to the word of God and beginning to unpack that while we experience the word of God together. And that's a, that's a passion of mine, but I discovered it by trying it. There are some things I'm not good at and some things I am good at, and you learn by putting it to the test. And if it doesn't work, then don't beat yourself up at it. Just keep trying until you find something that proves itself to be the will of God because you will enjoy it and the blessing of God will abide upon it. What is your spiritual gift? What do you bring to the body of Christ? We need that um, among us and in us. The emphasis here is on what motivates you to serve. Invited to a journey of discovery. And then you need to develop that. And here's what developing your spiritual gifts, in every one of these, he says, if this is your gift, then do it better. If this is your gift, then work at it. If this is your gift, then apply yourself to it. And Paul says it this way to Timothy, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying out of my hands. So that could be motivational, that could be vocational, but the idea being, if God's given you a gift, it's your job to feed it and attend it and fan it and to do better at it. I never get tired about reading books or articles about preaching or about leadership or about um, discipling or leading the body of Christ. I have a hunger for that because if that is my calling, then I need to fan it. You can't just sit there and expect it to develop on its own. You need to discover your natural giftings, which will lead you into your spiritual giftings, and it's your job to develop those. <laughs> well, this is going about how I expected. Third, and I wanted, so we're building. We're building towards something. Third is to deploy your vocational gifting. So I'm going to take a little bit of time to explain what I mean by this. Your vocational gifting, your service, your occupation, your job. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 8, when he, Jesus, ascended on high, he led, captivities in his train, led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. So in Ephesians chapter 4, we're told that there were five vocational gifts that God gave to the body of Christ. He gave some to be pastors, gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, and some to be teachers. Now, there's been an excess in what's been called the new apostolic renewal that every church should have all five of those, and that absolutely is not true. What's true is those five are given to the body of Christ universal, not necessarily to the body of Christ local. So what has God established? He's established five gifts, vocational life 
calling gifts that will keep the body of Christ strong. Apostles, an apostolic ministry has leadership and the supernatural opening new ground uh, in unreached people groups that provides an edge for leadership. Then there are prophets who are the voice of God to the people of God. Evangelists who have a gift in reaching lost people for the kingdom. Billy Graham comes right to the front as someone in a lifetime of ministry reached more people for the kingdom than anyone I know. And then there are pastors who are the ruling elders of local congregations that give oversight to the local body of Christ and teachers that teach universally and have an impact on the body of Christ at large. But with those are vocational callings. In other words, everyone who goes in ministry should have a call from God to do what God's called them to do. I don't believe a pastor chooses a vocation. I believe the vocation chooses them. And we've gotten away from the calling in a lot of Christian circles, but I believe in it today. I don't believe that you should, listen, I don't believe you should be a missionary because you care about lost people. I believe you should be a missionary because God put a constraint on you that you cannot ignore and you have no choice but to pursue that. I'm going to mess with you a little bit. Is that okay? We live in an age where mission trips proliferate, and I'm not anti, in spite of what I've said, I'm not anti-mission trips. But I heard someone say, if we don't take people overseas, how will they ever get a burden to reach people in other parts of the world? I know it's called the altar. Because it's not about a need you experience on a trip. It's about the voice of God in your spirit when you're in your private closet of prayer with him. When I went into ministry, this is what an elder told me. If you can do anything else, do it. Because this isn't sustainable apart from God's calling on your life. Is anyone hearing me this morning? I want to know anyone that I listen to, a missionary that comes. Well, I kind of had a list of occupations on the wall, and I threw a dart, and it said missionary. That won't work. I believe in a geographical nature to the call. I believe in a spiritual nature to the call. I believe in an ethnic nature to the call, that he will call you to a place of service to reach people for the kingdom that's birthed when God said, this is what I want for your life, and I want you to serve me vocationally with all that you have and all of your energy. I believe in that. And there's some people that God will call to that. I didn't, I didn't, I mean, I, I've told people, I, I wanted to be an attorney. I wanted to be a prosecuting attorney. I want to send criminals to prison. And God had a different calling on my life for a couple of reasons. I think he knew, and not think he knew. What a dumb thing to say. <clears throat> I know he knew where that road would take me, and I think it probably wouldn't have been a healthy one. But I feel like every time I give an altar call, I'm giving my closing arguments. Because I feel like I'm standing in the place between God and men and the calling he has on my life, and I want to honor that. It's a calling from God. Is anyone hearing me this morning? All of these are callings. And in our emphasis to expand that, if everything's a calling, then nothing is. 
How many of you believe that a pastor should have a call from God to serve in that capacity? Anybody with me this morning? All right. Now that you're with me, I'm going to hold you accountable. Because outside of that realm, I believe that every vocation should have a calling. Maybe not in these five, but think about it. You have a natural gift that will grow to a spiritual gift that if you follow it right will become a vocational calling that you give to God and you know you're there because he wants you to be there. I can't imagine being a dentist. (laughs) I can't imagine. But I'm glad there are dentists who love Jesus and see it as a ministry calling. Hello? I'm glad, uh, Leanne, wherever you went, I know I said earlier, I'm glad that there are Christian attorneys that love Jesus and will stand on the side of law and keep us in the right. I'm glad for all of those. But what you've got to do, I don't care what you do. I don't care if you're a cashier or you're bagging groceries at Fairway. Why are you there? It is a place that God put you to be a blessing to the lives of others. And I've had some baggers that have ruined my day. And I've had some others that have encouraged my day. You need to see your vocation as a calling. How can it be used for God's glory. I had a chance to have lunch with a young man who's a part of Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And God's used his passion for soccer to build sports teams, to reach people for the kingdom and strengthen lives. I tried coaching soccer once. First and second graders. It is not coaching. It is crowd control. It's all that it is. I know that's not my calling. Are you catching what I'm saying? What are you doing? That's where God wants you and give that to him to honor him with that, all right? So your natural abilities, what are they? What are you good at? I should be, I've thought, I thought about doing this. Take a microphone and man on the street kind of interviews, walk around and say, what are you good at? What are you good at? What are you good at? And I can guarantee you that the majority of people in the room would go, oh, I don't know, let me think about that. I'll get back to you. Find out what they are. Be able to say those. There's nothing arrogant about that. Because knowing what you're good at will lead you to your spiritual gifting in the body that you're attracted to. And out of that, you can build your vocational call. But there's another area of spiritual gifts that we would call, lastly, supernatural gifts. Discern what your supernatural gifting is. All these are the work of the one and same spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. We are a Pentecostal church. We believe in supernatural gifts in this same context. And I believe that if you want to operate in supernatural gifts, you have to know how God has gifted you, and you need to know what you're attracted to in serving him in a vocation, because out of that then, he will empower you with supernatural gifts for the cause of the kingdom. We believe 
in speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives utterance. I believe in that. And I believe that God wants that for every believer. When you pray in an unknown tongue, you speak mysteries. It builds you up. You're laying hold of the promises of God in a unique and real way. And if you've never experienced that, how can you experience that? Number one, you need to be a worshiper. Learn how to enter into the presence of God. And then get alone with God and not be afraid to let a new language flow out of you. It is that simple. Ask him for it and let it happen and quit thinking about it. Begin to respond to it because we believe in the power of speaking in tongues. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it talks about other manifestations of the supernatural. And it talks about uh, gifts. Let me give them to you. Power gifts, faith, miracles, and healing. God wants to manifest that through you as you're fulfilling your service to him. There'll be opportunities for you to see the supernatural happen. Now, I'm gonna take a minute to just try to challenge you about where God might want to use you. What is the gift of faith? The gift of faith is the ability to believe God in a, situ in a situation that's beyond the natural ability to believe God. I had a man in a church that we pastored, prayed for a dead man and saw God raise him from the dead. That's not you hyping yourself up. That's you being in the place in a moment that God speaks to you and gives you a word and you believe that and hold on to that as faith rises up in your heart. Along with that is the working of miracles or miracle of miracles that God wants to demonstrate supernatural power. And I'm looking forward to the day that God puts a hunger in his church to reclaim the supernatural power of God in the house of God with displays of the miraculous. Not manufactured, not man-made, not manipulated, but clear demonstrations of the miracle power of God and gifts of healing. Now, I'm going to go to the utterance gifts, but for some reason, the American church is infatuated with the utterance gifts, and I just wonder if we ought to put some attention on the power gifts again. When I was interviewed for credentials, um, did it maybe a little different than they do now over the years. I've watched it morph. They didn't ask me about my GPA. I had my transcripts turned in. But here's what happened in the room. I wasn't ready for this. So you want to be in ministry, yes? Tell us sometime, tell us a time when you personally led someone to Jesus Christ. Okay, tell us a time when you prayed for someone and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Tell us a time when you prayed for someone and they were healed. Because if you can't tell us those then you're not ready to be in ministry because the emphasis was on the fruit that follows that. I remember in the first church we pastored, sitting in the back row on a Saturday, and God saying to me, look around and imagine who'll be here on Sunday, and who's going to be in here because of you, that you brought them, that you were the reason they got here, and I had to admit, not anybody, and I thought, God, help me to do the work of an evangelist and give me supernatural power to see that change, and when I committed to that, we began to see some things change, because we need to see the supernatural we have prayed so many prayers of unbelief that we've quit believing he can do the supernatural. Amen. Come on, church, I'm saying to you, we need to reclaim that ground. 
Pentecostal church, supernatural gifts, we shouldn't be satisfied. We shouldn't be satisfied without knowing men, women, boys, and girls have come to faith in Christ. We shouldn't be satisfied without knowing men, women, boys, and girls have been filled with the Spirit. That we should not be satisfied with who we are and what we're doing if we can't give accounts of Jesus doing miracles among us and in the lives of people. And that requires a hunger from the people of God that say, I will not be satisfied. And I'm not trying to be redundant here, but who are those people going to be? It'll be people that know their natural gifting, that are serving in motivational gifting, that have committed their vocation to him and are walking in the spirit will have opportunities to say, God, I need a supernatural touch from you right now. And he will manifest that through your life. Power gifts need to be returned to the church. Revelation gifts, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits. What is a word of wisdom? It's when God gives you a revelation of what you need to do, an action that you need to take that's beyond human understanding and doesn't make sense. You've hit an impasse and don't know what to do and God gives you a word of wisdom. This is the way, walk in it. What is a word of knowledge? It's a bit of the knowledge of God that he drops in your mind and heart for a moment that gives you some information you need for ministry that you would not otherwise have access to. Can he do that? Yes, I've had him do that. It's a phenomenal thing when God gives you an awareness of a truth that you need to speak. I'll never forget a young man walked in on a Sunday night after service was over and is blasting the Assemblies of God churches and revival and just tearing things up. And I'm listening to him And when I'm listening to him, God let me see an older woman knelt by a chair praying and crying out to God. And I said, you're not coming into my house and blow up my family. And number two, your problem is you have a praying mother that's been praying for your salvation and you're breaking her heart in the way that you're walking away from him and you need to repent. And God let me see her so you'll know that he knows where you are. And it was true. What is that? God will do that for you. If you're walking in the spirit, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. And I've given numerous opportunities or uh, examples where God has revealed to me when something was demonic and when something wasn't demonic and how you need to know. And by the way, the gift of discerning of spirits is not the gift of suspicion. And it's not the gift of discernment. You need to exercise discernment. The gift is discerning of spirits to know the source of a manifestation and where it came from. God wants to give that to the church again. We can't be content just sitting back knowing that in our history we had supernatural power and not reclaim that supernatural power today. We believe in spiritual gifts. What about utterance gifts? Gift of tongues. Does that ever happen? Oh, yeah, it does. But if we were more hungry, you say, well, where should that happen? I think there are a lot of places. I think the most common place for that to happen is in a small group prayer meeting as you're gathered together and God gives an utterance and then is revealed with interpretation explaining that utterance or a word of prophecy that comes to the body of Christ, the utterance gifts. But I don't believe that those are going to be the driver in the church when we've ignored the others and only pursue those. Because the Spirit divides them severally as he wills. You can't just decide, I want the gift of healing today. I want prophecy today. As we are fulfilling our giftings, 
There will be moments where God will say, now, right here, I want to use you. We believe in spiritual gifts. And my call, if I, <laughs> if I could right now, I'd build a fire under your chair that would motivate you to get hungry for how God wants to use you for the building of his kingdom. And I'm going to go through it one more time because I want you to see it. I want you to go away with it. That God created you fearfully and wonderfully. You have some giftings that he put in you and you need to discover those. You need to articulate those. You need to know what they are because those will lead you into motivational giftings, service that you're attracted to that will honor him. And when you do those, you'll see that part of your vocational calling and you'll be in a place where you're serving him and see your job not as something that pays the bills, but as a place of service to the kingdom and when you're walking in those you can expect the supernatural power of God to be to be re, to be to be relevant and resident in your life in those moments where you need to serve beyond your ability to serve are we hungry for that and this morning I want to call us to that the body of Christ is in need of your unique calling the body of Christ is in need of your unique gifting. The body of Christ. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. In the corporate worship experience. But God forgive us. And God convict us. If we think this defines the church. This is a place where the church gathers. To go out and be the church. Is anyone hearing me this morning? Are you being the church? Is your life surrendered to him? So in a moment, we're gonna worship and here's what I want you to open your heart to. God, let me see that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. God, let me see, help me understand where it is you want me to serve by showing me where I desire to serve, where that interest is. Help me dedicate my job to you as a vocation in your hand. And God, put a hunger in me to be a vessel through which your supernatural power can flow because a gifted church will tear down the strongholds of hell and reach people for the kingdom. Let's stand together and worship him together.
I want to challenge you to get alone with God, your Bible, paper, and pencil, and begin a journey towards fullness of ministry by writing down what you're good at. And here's, I really felt like God dropped something in my heart. Two things I want you to see. Number one, what gets in the way of that? Let's say you're a painter and you like to paint pictures. And you look at your artwork and you say, well, that's certainly not Da Vinci. What he's gifted you should never be compared with someone else's gift. You don't have to be better than someone. It has to be what you're good at. And it may, it may not rate at the top of the list in other people's eyes, but it's what gives you satisfaction, what you're good at. Own that and develop that and grow in that. 
And if I could give an example of what I'm really trying to describe, it'd be Ron Blair. I want to write a book. You've heard the book, More Than a Carpenter, about Jesus. I want to write a book called More Than a Custodian, about Ron Blair, because he sees his ministry here not as a check, and the whole custodial team does, as preparing a place where we can worship God together. And in that, I've seen people in the lobby that Ron is praying with or sharing faith with or encouraging because it is a ministry fulfilling moment. What is it God wants for you? You'll blossom, you'll bloom, you'll explode with the joy of the Lord when you see what you can give back to him for what he's gifted you fearfully. Awesome. You really, I hate this line, but you really are awesome. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen. Amen. If you love Jesus, let me hear your hands this morning. You don't have to be better than someone else. Just do what you're good at. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for your faithful giving, your generosity. God blesses people who give. Thank you so much. One, can I say one more thing before you go? Someone asked me with New Life Center and all we're trying to do with New Life Center, can we give money toward that? Yes. Do they need money? Yes. And a lot of it. So if you want to help us, just mark New Life Center and the hundreds of thousands that you want to give and we'll bless them and see that church grow. Amen. God bless you. Shake someone's hand. Encourage them today.